Good evening and welcome to Fuel for the Spirit. I'm Denise Richardson, a member of the AM570, the Mission family, and I happen to co-host the Pledge Drive on PBS. I want to wish everyone a very, very Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Happy Hanukkah. I want to wish you a Happy Kwanzaa. And I'm focusing on that because I see so many people lugging bags down the street and, you know, celebrating Black Friday and, you know, Cyber Monday. And and I'm thinking to myself, and I haven't said this out loud before on the air, but I, I think we need to put Christ back in Christmas. I'm a Catholic growing up, and I just know that this is Merry Christmas. Well, and I also happen to watch the Hallmark Channel. And goodness knows, they say Merry Christmas in every show during this holiday season. And I believe in respecting everybody's faith. So we're all in this together. And I know this, there is holiday shopping, but there's so much more, so much more than that. And I want to share with you that I have a couple of wonderful guests. And how did I meet them? Um, I was at an event and I, I there was something about this this pastor that just caught my attention. And it made me think, what do we do for our pastors? Because they do so much for us. And I thought, you know, we need to talk about that here on Fuel for the Spirit. And so I've come to find out, and I met his wife, who is like amazing. And I've come to find out that it's not just he is the pastor, they co-pastor. And my guests include the Reverend Albert Feliciano and his co-pastor, Francis, or Frankie, as she's affectionately called, Feliciano. Now, I'm going to ask you for, I'm going to go right to no problem. co-pastor Frankie here. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you officially a pastor, pastor? Yes. At Omega College. Oh, good. We, I graduated, and I, uh, my husband, he uh, kind of said, you could do it. You know, I barely passed the fundamentals in school, but with this, it was God. But you know what I'm about to say? I was about to say what you're about to say. You know, when you're doing what God wants you to do, yes, it, it's the fundamentals, I mm-hmm. think, include life's work with exactly. people. Yes. yes. So, so, Reverend Albert. Um, I'm, talk to me about where you guys grew up. I want a little background on the both of you. And then let's move into pastoring this church, which is the sole purpose evangelical church of Middletown in New York. York. In New York. New York, upstate. Yes. Uh, compared to New York City, we're up in the North Pole. We're way <laughs> up there. But uh, I just want to take a brief moment and just say thank you. Uh, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you. And we're humbled by this invitation, both my wife and I. uh, We appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you. you. I'm about to cry. No, I'm I'm appreciative of that. Um, And I really am about to cry. Wow. Because you never know why people are brought together. Right. Yes. Well, we, we too believe this is a divine appointment. It's a special opportunity for us to not only sit here and talk with you, but to share our story with the whole tri-state area. So uh, uh, again, Albert Feliciano, I was pretty much raised in Ossany, New York. I'm a country boy, Westchester, <laughs> New York. And uh, my wife was raised in New York City in the Bronx, uh, Boogie Down Bronx. Me too. And, uh, you know, we, we met each other and uh, it was love at first sight. I tell you the truth. Um, I saw my wife for the very first time and I could hear like uh, the merengue drums. And it was it was love at first sight. I had to know this woman. And uh, 
I chased her all over the world. I said, listen, you don't know this yet, but you're going to be my wife. You're going to bear my children. I'm going to take you out of the city. I mean, I told her everything. She said, you're an extraterrestrial. Where did you come from? <laughs> Leave me alone. And I was always there with flowers and chocolates and you name it. I, I did everything I could to romance her. But what... What an adventure it was, and uh, I'm now with her, going on 25 years. Oh, and my word. Our, our, mm-hmm. our friendship, our love for each other is such a, a gift from God. You know, the Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and wins favor from the Lord. And I grew up really without my father. My father was an absentee father. And so for me, it was very important to try to make this connection and to uh, – to be there for my children, and uh, we're blessed. We're blessed. Well, well, wait a second. I always know there are two sides to that story of how we met. Absolutely. (laughs) No, no. What's Frankie's side? I was walking forward. I didn't even see him from behind, and I, I, you know, doing business as usual because um, I was a single mom myself with a little boy, and um, I was making, trying to make ends meet, and uh, my whole career was to make other women feel beautiful. I was a makeup artist by trade, so I did a lot of makeup for all types of women, and I trying to make them feel good about themselves, when sometimes I really didn't feel good about myself, mm. you know, as a single mom, and just trying to make it ends meet, and he happened to come in, and I, I came with a big package, not only my son, I was also pregnant. With child at the time, being single. And I was a backslidden Christian at the time. And um, he just came into my life and changed my life, really. Did you trust him when he first came into your life? Not at all. (laughs) See? Not at all. all. But do you remember why you didn't trust him? Because of my experiences. Mm -hmm. Because of my experiences. Me also with my, my father. He was somewhat behind the scenes. He Mm. wasn't there, also raised by a single mom. So, you know, trust, it just wasn't there for me. At what point did you hear the Marengus? When he was vulnerable. Uh. He became vulnerable. And and it it was odd for me to see a man being so transparent being opened. What was he doing? Was he crying? Um, not that he was crying, but he was being more um, in tuned with what I wanted, what oh, I needed. Sure. Right? And it wasn't, it wasn't about a friendship, really. It was just something different about him. Now, I wish I could, I wish I had a picture to show the people of you two because you are so beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to put them on Facebook, my Facebook page. Oh, thank because you. But it's the energy. It's not just the facial beauty. It's the compatibility beauty. That, <laughs> that is something very special. So the two of you, you get married. And at what point do you decide, uh, Frankie, that you want to be a pastor as well? And you, when did you become a pastor? All right. Well, I can answer that question. Um, when I was around eight years old, my mother had a recurring dream, a recurring vision. Mm-hmm. It was very simple. She saw herself in a cloud going back and forth, and she would look down from this cloud, and she would see me preaching to multitudes of people. Now, I'm eight years old, and uh, 
at the time I was the church drummer. I was a musician. I loved music. And I always thought that was my call in life, which was to play music and write songs and, and just be available to, to jam out with whoever was available. And so when my mother said, I saw you preaching, you have a pastoral mantle on your life. You have a call of God on your life. I said, negative, not for me. <laughs> you got me all wrong, mom. You, you missed this one. This one is not for me. Maybe someone else, but not me. And again, my, my grandfather was a pastor. My uncle was a pastor. My sister, God rest her soul, she and her husband were pastors as well. So I come from a line of pastors, and I didn't want this. Uh, I wanted something different from my life. And I went through a lot of different journeys. But my, my mother passed away in 2006. Yeah. And uh, we were invited to speak at a, uh, a harvest festival, with, which really was an underlying way of saying a racial reconciliation Outreach mm -hmm. in um, Virginia, there was a section there that there were a lot of different pastors from different ethnic churches. backgrounds, a lot of churches, but they weren't working with each other for whatever reason. So they decided to have us come and speak. So we went with a worship team and we spoke. And I remember going back to the hotel room and I, I told my wife, I said, man, my mother would have been so proud. You know, she always said I was going to be a pastor. She died in 2006 and 2008. I became credentialed and I started to serve as a pastor. And uh, my, my wife so wisely said she did see she's in the cloud of witnesses. And it was then that the scales came off my eyes, if you will. And I understood she was never supposed to be alive for that. And all those years of, of this recurring dream and chasing me around, telling me, you know, you have a pastoral call. You shouldn't be out there at that club. At that, <laughs> you shouldn't be hanging with the hoodlums and all the nonsense that I did. But she was there. And, and I remember many times coming home two o'clock in the morning, you know, with my latitude being changed, if you will. <laughs> and uh, I would see her. I'm, I'm telling the truth. I, I, I would see her on her knees. And the, the light would come from under the door, and she was praying for me. Wow. And I just felt so humbled by that and, and like, a, like a knucklehead. Like, mm -hmm. how could I be wasting away my youth? And, of course, I'd get the beating in the morning, you know, <laughs> just, before, just before she went to work. But, uh, but my, praying for you. Yeah, I, I got the prayers, but I got the whoopings, too. And thank God, what a woman of God she was. But... That's how I became a pastor. And I finally stepped into this position in 2008. I stopped running. Uh, I likened myself to Jonah, the, the prophet Jonah. Uh, I ran from this my whole life. I seen some of the wounds that my family members have gone through. And right. that's the last thing I wanted for my life. But looking back, it's the best place for me to be right now. My wife to be with me and co-labor with me, it's a gift from God. But at what point did you decide that you wanted to co-pastor? That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, honestly, um, what took place was that I felt that my job was to help him become the pastor. Right. That's how I felt. I felt I was born to help my husband become this pastor and assist him in any way that I can. I really didn't need a title. Honestly, I didn't need a title. I wanted to serve God by serving my husband in whatever he wanted to do because I really believed upon meeting him. I was a backslidden Christian. I was not like him. He was born and raised in the faith. I'm Catholic. My family was Catholic. 
generations. And it was my grandmother, who my great-grandmother, who she became born again. And then me, minding my own business, I was 21 years old, that fishing reel of God. You know, I was a I was a young adult. I was already a mother. It came and he reeled me in. And but I never had anyone to disciple me. So I'm here to say that this man right here, <laughs> he discipled me. I was like 26 years old, 27 years old. And that was the key that was missing to disciple me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I understood. But he challenged me. He said, he said, <laughs> babe, he says, I think you can do this. And I was like, listen, I barely finished school by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I'm not going to do this. He says, I believe you can do it. I challenge you. And I did it. Lo and, and behold. Did. And I did it. And the rest and is history. Yeah, really it was. Yeah. Uh, but I was. But I was always wondering, was is this my lot in life to just you know, serve him and make sure that he's going to do what he needs to do. Oh, different questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And what happened was when he got the call, I said, but where do I fit in this? I want to minister to women as well. Mm-hmm. While he's ministering to the men, I want I've got something to say, too. <laughs> and guess what? That's what it was, you know. You're listening to Fuel for the Spirit. My guests are two very special people. They are the reverends and pastors, um, Albert and Francis, in quotes, Frankie Feliciano, and they pastor the Sole Purpose Evangelical Church in Middletown, New, New York. And I'm Denise Richardson, your host of Fuel for the Spirit. What's important about what you do is that you're giving, you're giving 24-7. What does it take to do that and and what do you give up to do that and are you doing it right or are you doing it wrong well i would hope to god that we're doing it right Um, we do make a lot of sacrifices we sacrifice a lot of time often with our families and uh, we sacrifice uh, so much to share you know our life uh, really revolves around the church and around its people Uh, my wife and i are only days off technically, are Monday and Tuesday. But if that phone rings, guess what? <laughs> the day off oh, is awesome. over. That's right. And uh, we're, we're constantly um, attending to the needs of the church. And sometimes we have people from different churches um, that need some type of assistance or prayer or help. And we're running out to people from different flocks. Wherever the need is, that's where we go. And uh, uh, I praise the Lord that my children... Are, are serving the Lord. I praise God that they understand the position that we're in and they've made accommodations for us. But we, we pride ourselves as a family to try to connect as often as possible. We try to eat dinner together. We turn off the TV, turn off the cell phones, and we really use that opportunity to really stay connected. And we try as often as possible to do things together. Um, we're now proud grandparents. Oh, what an amazing <laughs> joy. I tell you, I'm like a little kid all over again. But we get to experience our grandbabies, and God is expanding the family. But with all of that being said, you know, we, we do have uh, tremendous responsibilities that sometimes can be somewhat overwhelming. You know, it's uh, many hours spent preparing and seeking the Lord uh, in prayer and in, in his word and study to try to get messages that will produce life and change and healing and comfort uh, for our church community. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, 
we, we get so conditioned to just come to church, hearing a message, and they'll say, oh, pastor, that was a great word. Praise the Lord. But then they go home and do nothing with the message. Oh, yeah, you know, I, yeah. We get so conditioned to hearing messages, but, but doing nothing with them. And that's not what we want. We want the word of God to, to just be planted inside the heart. Uh, Jesus said that he wants to write his laws in the tablet of our heart. And that's what we're hoping, that the words would produce life. And it wouldn't just be a, a routine or a ritual, but that uh, the word of God would penetrate and would cause uh, an effective change for the better. Uh, we met at the Interchurch Center at a recent event, and Pastor David Ireland was there. Yes. And I was uh, remarking on something that he said that caught my attention, and, and he was talking to all of you pastors. And that had to do with time on and time off. Yes. And when you sit and say, we give and we give and we give and we give, what's the lesson if you don't take designated time off so that you can both live your lives with your family? And I'm going to get you on a word that you repeated a few times and stop trying to have dinner. Amen. Mm. Because trying in my mind is a compromise word. So, and when you say that we sacrifice and we give up, talk about what it does, and I'm going to go to Frankie on this, (laughs) to your psyche when you keep giving and giving and giving. Yes. And it doesn't mean you don't love the people you're pastoring. Right. We do love them. We do. But what are they learning by your giving and giving and giving? Well, to start off, they're seeing um, that we're being genuine. I think that as pastors, um, we try to do the traditional thing by being honest, mm-hmm. by, by, by taking our lives and covering up. This is what I'm saying. When we try to open up to people, we should open up as pastors so that way they don't feel so uh, threatened, threatened by us. You know, we're we're trying to be honest. I'm trying to be honest with them so that way they can see us, so they can see who we are. And prayer has been really paramount for me. Prayer. I think prayer is what um, we need to convey a message that, listen, we're normal, too, because actually... Albert and I, we're blended. And today, statistically, when you walk into a church, it's filled with blended families, filled with them. It's not the traditional just mom and dad and their children. Right. We're a blended family mm-hmm. with with he had two children. I had mine and we had children together. And when they begin to see that, that, listen, we're just we're in this just like you. Mm-hmm. We're in this just like you. So so we teach them that we're we're trying to be honest. We're trying to be. Oh, um, you've got that trying word yeah, going on too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and we we have to be. We have to be if we want them to believe in what we're subscribing to them. Well, I I hear you, but I I also uh, wonder about the toll it takes. Um, because I think in a church, when you, these are my pastors and I love them and Pastor Frankie is amazing, Pastor Albert is amazing, and we can go to them any time of the day or night. And at what point do you kind of pull the brakes and say, I need two days off, literally off? Or as in Pastor Ireland said, I work four weeks, I take two weeks off so that I can really work yeah. four weeks. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine there would be guilt in the two of you if you tried that. 
I think for me, that would be a major challenge, although it sounds like music to my ears. Yeah, that, and me as that well. That would be so welcomed. Um, but, you know, we're, we're praying. Uh, again, sometimes it, it, it works when you have the help that you need as well. That's a big factor. That's okay. Yes. That's a big factor because you, you, you want to make sure that the church is always left with Working. the proper care, mm-hmm. with, with people that are mature, right. that are seasoned, yes. that are, are skilled in the word and, and all those different things. So uh, a lot of times, um, again, it comes to training. You have to train people up and build people up. And when that becomes available, then you can go ahead. Uh, I know for for us, whenever I'm invited to speak somewhere else or whenever uh, we're going away, it is a big process of it planning is. and preparing mm-hmm. and making sure that everything goes smooth sailing. Because I want to go with him. Yeah, and he's we, not going to leave me. <laughs> yeah. We always go I together. I want to go. <laughs> and she really is a, a great pillar of support. And so uh, it's, it's awesome to have that. When people are choosing each other, what do I, both of you suggest that they look for? I, I've always said that, and I won't say always, maybe in the last few years, if you're interested in a young woman, find out what the family is like. If you're interested in a man, find out what the family is like. If the if either person is saying, I hate my father, I hate my mother, <laughs> back yeah, away. Back away. Um, so what, what, should, what do you tell people in your congregation to look for in one another? <laughs> That's such a great question. Well, in, in my opinion, scripturally, it, it says this as well, that we should not be unequally yoked. Mm. And let me just explain, because sometimes people hear the word yoke and they think of an egg yoke. <laughs> that's not what the Bible is saying. But if you if you look at the comparison of two oxen plowing in the field, that yoke that's around their neck, that wooden yoke, keeps them both level and equal. And they're both mm-hmm. equally strong to do the job together. But if you were to put an ox with a little goat and you mounted that same yoke on them, they couldn't work together because it's unequal and it's uneven. Mm -hmm. One is stronger than the other. So I think when you're looking for your mate, you both need to be of the same spirit, of the same mindset, of the same focus, the same direction. Yes, there are differences, and that's what attracts us to one yes. another. <laughs> but at the at the same point, uh, you should both have the same common goals, the same desire when it comes to serving the Lord together, having Jesus Christ first in your relationship as the covering, and, um, and having a direction, a purpose. You shouldn't... Uh, get hooked up with where there's so much baggage and so much drama and so much, so much, so much stuff because what ends up happening, you're coming into the relationship already with a couple of strikes uh, against you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people should offer something, bring something to the table and and come healthy. If you're coming from a rebound, just take a little bit of time and (laughs) and heal, you know, and uh, really learn, discover some things about yourself and understand that you can be okay alone for a little while. Until you're ready. Uh, and, and one thing, you see, Adam in the garden, mm-hmm. he didn't have to look for Eve. God brought Eve to Adam. And so Adam, when he discovered his purpose, his work, when he began to tend the field, the Lord said, it is not good that he should be alone. Let me make a suitable helpmate for him. And the Lord brought him Eve. And when he saw her, he said, wow, man, therefore a woman, you know, she, she was right there. And so I think men primarily need to discover who they are. They need to discover their, their work, uh, their purpose, their, their, their reason, and then make themselves available, uh, you know, while they're accomplishing their career, their goals, you know, putting things aside, preparing, and then the woman will come. Sometimes we're looking for the woman 
in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for someone uh, to save, someone to, to help out. But at the same point, when God brings that mate to you, mm-hmm. you'll know. You'll know. And you'll and, be uh, ready. And you'll be ready. Absolutely. And, and what would you say, and I want you to kind of bear your souls now, too. We have a couple of minutes left. Okay. And what would you say to your um, congregation? about what you both really need to continue to do what you do well. What is that what is that thing that they don't know that you need, each of you needs, that you don't tell them because you think the congregation wouldn't understand? I can I can answer this question. Um, and let me give you a little bit of background. This past weekend uh, I was officiating at a funeral in our church for a young lady, uh, a mother who just lost her life. She was five months pregnant and was involved in a tragic accident on the Deegan. And literally there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that came to our church. There was literally standing room only. Every chair was placed out in the congregation, in the, in the sanctuary. And uh, people would not leave. They were waiting for this service. And I looked and I said, wow, I wish it looked like this on a Sunday morning. I think what people need is a hunger for God. What I'd like to see is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for holiness, for uh, uh, sanctification, all these different things that seem so foreign to us. But if we could all learn to live together that way, uh, putting God first and having a hunger after him, we'd be able to treat each other differently, respect each other, and live for one another. We have 30 seconds. Absolutely. And I'll ducktail by saying that they would become independent from Albert and I. Yes. So we can do more for the advancement of the kingdom of God and become dependent, right? Independent from us, dependent more on God, seeking him because he's the one with the answers. Amen. We'll lead them. We'll lead them. We'll be a good example example for them, but in Jesus' name that they would look for God. Amen. Well, in Jesus' name, I'm going to wish you both a very, very Merry Christmas, Amen. and I send that Thank to your you congregation so Thank you so as much. well. I'm very honored to have the pastors, do, do, double pastors now, of the Soul <laughs> Purpose Evangelical Church, the Reverends Albert and Francis, Frankie, <laughs> Feliciano. Bless you both. God bless you. you. Thank Merry you again. Christmas. You've been listening to Fuel for the Spirit. So how do you keep going in good and not so good times? Let me know. Call 212-857-9644 or email me at drichardson at nycradio.com. It's 830 on Saturday night. It's time for Fuel for the Spirit. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin.